0: You know that was something that I found very intimidating when I first started working at a college was you know chairing a meeting in a, in a you know a builder's site um could be you and maybe six or seven men you know between engineers builders quantity surveyors and you know that took uh, it took a while to kind of get used to that.
1: Hello and welcome to girls with gold my name is neve mar i hope you're all having a very lovely easter weekend i know it's difficult and it's a different kind of easter as well because we're obviously not able to spend it with our families so i hope whatever it is that you've been doing over the weekend you're enjoying yourselves do head over to her.e to the site and as well to our instagram page we've got so much delicious content that you can consume while you are self-isolating or staying inside and social distancing as well a uh, big show ahead so excited to have courtney mcdonald on later on she is an architect not only is she an architect but she also runs an interior design studio as well so there's some incredible insights if you are inside in the home which we all are at the moment but if you're looking to do something with the space that you have and you're kind of a little bit on the edge about it basically i just asked her about what i could do with my my own interior spaces as well but she gave some incredible tips later on in the show as well I actually interviewed a priest for the first time ever so uh, Father Derek Ryan is a lovely man and basically I kind of wanted to talk about this is going out around Easter so religion at this time during a global pandemic and what it means to people and I think a lot of people are kind of coming back to faith there's a crazy amount of people in this country who go to mass every single week and so uh, hundreds and thousands of people have been affected by that so I kind of wanted to talk about what they're doing with webcams and and all that kind of good stuff so uh father Derek Ryan he was lovely so we'll talk to him later on as well but first Cardi B so from architects to priests to Cardi B Cardi B um, posted a picture that was done up a mural rather I should say it's artwork by Dublin street artist Emmeline Blake obviously that is massive Cardi B has millions and millions and millions of followers uh Emmeline Blake has done incredible work I wanted to talk to her I wanted to talk about her artwork and we had a, a quick chat with her earlier on on the phone so take a listen so Dublin street artist Emmeline Blake joins me now on the line. Emma, I've I've asked and you're OK with us calling you Emma, isn't that right?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's grand.
1: Brilliant. OK, I was a little nervous there because I've actually never heard of the name Emmeline before. It's beautiful, though.
2: Yeah, I was named after a hot chocolate song.
1: OK, that makes it sound yeah. much
2: better.
1: <laughs> um, so you are a well-known artist here in, in Dublin and in Ireland, but recently uh, you went viral because of the Cardi B mural that's up in Tala. If anybody hasn't seen it, uh, go on to Emma's uh, Instagram page and you can see it. We also have it on the Her page as well. But Cardi B herself went and put it on her own Instagram. So just tell us, what has the last few days been like for you?
2: Yeah, I actually in bed when, when Cardi B shared it because it was like two or three in the morning. But my friend yeah. rang me and woke me up to <gasps> tell me because she was losing her mind a bit because she's a huge Cardi B fan. So.
1: so I suppose not just the Cardi B one, but in general, your murals, they're so eye-catching.
2: What, what inspires your work? Uh, well, I was I had a few designs in mind that I wanted to do. Um, I had a couple of walls in town signed off that I was going to paint them on. But uh, it was that evening then, actually, that Leo announced the further just I painted the first one on my back wall the a Lipa one um, I was actually the first one that I came up with that I was going to paint was the Sister Sister one actually So anyone in there I don't know like mid-twenties up I think that's their favourite one yeah um, for sure I younger having, having a clue <laughs>
1: <laughs> I laughed so hard when I saw that I literally like go home Roger and just memories just started flooding back to me I loved that show I was so obsessed with it Yeah, I haven't thought yeah, about yeah. it in so long though I just haven't thought yeah. about it, it
2: it's just a, it was the first thing that came into my head when, when we were all t- to stay at home or whatever. I just kept hearing them say, go home, Roger. So I was like, right, I need to paint that. But yeah, that's actually my next door neighbour's wall. Because um, after the, the, the Dua Lipa piece, loads of my neighbours got onto me and said that I could paint their walls. Oh. But um, my next door neighbours came out while I was painting kids. like They were going on their walk and they said, uh, oh, what are you painting? Or what are you painting? So I said, sister, sister, and the kids were like, blank faces didn't have a clue they wanted me to paint them um, or they thought I was painting Little Mix so I was like no unfortunately not so I don't think they were too impressive as in like their parents their parents yeah. were but the kids were a bit devastated I think that but, is a tragedy um,
0: but
1: if your artwork brings anybody to the likes of Sister Sister then we, we've all won really that's a I feel yeah, like that's a public yeah. service <laughs>
2: yeah if only it was on Disney Plus or Netflix or that that we could watch it back
1: Oh man, okay, yeah. that's it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start a Twitter campaign and <laughs> get Sister Sister on Netflix and see where we go with it. I'll use your artwork. Yeah.
2: Well. yeah.
0: Um,
1: so I, sp- I want to ask but, uh, as well, like, just in general, like, has it always been for you street art, or tell me a little bit about your artistry, kind of over the years and how you got involved in it?
2: I've always been into street art, but I didn't really get in, like, start and um, getting involved in the street art world or start spray painting myself until maybe like halfway through my degree. But I wasn't doing it as part of my college work because the lecturers weren't really into street art, to be honest. But um, so I did my degree. Um, and then after I graduated, was when I kind of threw myself into the street art world. So there there was a gallery, the White Lady Gallery. Um, and so I started submitting pieces for their exhibitions and then meeting other street artists there. And then going along to the graffiti jams in the old Bernard Shaw. And I just started asking if I could paint at them.
1: I suppose a lot of the work, obviously, you know, you would never do it if you didn't have permission. And it was all legal and above board. But a lot of the work that you do is commission-based. So, I mean, as an artist at the moment, uh, obviously, you know, it's kind of a a tough time for a lot of the creative arts industries. Um, You know, how's everything going with that in terms of the the artist world at the moment and kind of dealing with the restrictions that are in place now because of this pandemic I mean obviously you're getting a huge amount of attention because a piece of yours yeah. went viral but I mean are people struggling at the moment?
2: Yeah and the thing is like, I'm lucky enough because um, I'm a teacher as well so I yeah. don't solely rely on uh, the money I make through through my artwork but I know um, loads of people in the creative world do like um, the majority of people that's their whole wage. like so I know there's so many people struggling at the moment that have had loads of um, different events and commissions and, and things lined up and everything's just been cancelled now so um, yeah it is a it is a tough time for the creative world but a lot of people are getting the chance to Make that they wouldn't have before because they would be so busy with um, commission work or or commercial work or anything else. So they they have the time to to make art for themselves. Like I suppose.
1: Yeah, I mean it's such a it's kind of a really cruel oxymoron because you know the artwork that people are creating makes so many people happy and it brightens everything up as well. But obviously, you know. People need to get paid as well, so that's kind of yeah. That's kind of the tough aspect of it. Um, well, I, I suppose I wanted to kind of get in touch with you because we were all so impressed with you. But how can people check out some of your artwork and get in touch with you and, and stuff like that? Give us a little bit of information on where we can see some more of your work.
2: Yeah, my website is Emily and Earth, um, and my Instagram is Emily and Blake. So E-N-M-A-L-E-M-E-B-L-A-K-E. Uh, and then my Twitter is the same as that.
1: Can you give us a little bit of a hint about what we might see? Are you going to do any more kind of incredible 90s TV characters that we love and miss?
2: Um, 90s TV characters? I don't have any of them in mind at the moment. But I don't know. I'll have a think and see if there's any others I can think of. But I do have a good few designs. Uh, I have a, I've a couple already done up on the computer, um, ready to go, and then I have a few more in my head that I have to to do with the design for.
1: Amazing! Well, we can't wait to see the work. And listen, massive congrats on on the Cardi B mural as well, and also all the other work that Thanks you do. You, it's, it's absolutely stunning, and it was such a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much, Emma. Have a great day. Thank you, million. that was Emma there. So uh, she mentioned all of the ways that you can get in touch and take a look at her artwork. Her line wasn't the best. So apologies for that. Um, But yeah, she's an incredible talent and go home, Roger. Just one of my favorites. Absolutely. So I mentioned earlier, Courtney McDonald, she runs the Courtney McDonald studio. She's an architect. And I caught up with her a little bit earlier on today to talk about her career and the architecture industry here in Ireland. Courtney, you're very welcome. Thanks so Thank much for so joining much. us. Thank you. Absolutely thrilled to have you. You are officially the first architect that we've ever had on over 120 odd episodes of Girls With Goals. So Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm so excited to talk to you. We're going to talk about um, the Courtney McDonald studio in a little while, but first yes. I kind of want to go back a little bit and talk to you about how you got into it in the first place, but maybe go back even further than that and tell us what you wanted to be when you were a little girl.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose I was always very kind of into art um, and I suppose very creative. And I I don't really remember ever having a moment where I sort of said, I want to be an architect. Um, I was always very into the interior design shows that were on TV at the time. So, and the likes of Changing Rooms and, um, you know, 60 Minute Maker over, over and, and those kind of programs. So um, I, I kind of... I suppose there was always a t- uh, time where I, when I suppose I got to my the CAO in sixth year um, and I was looking at what to do and the thoughts of kind of sitting in a lecture theater re- never really interested me. So I kind of thought, okay, what courses could I look at that? I could be in a kind of collaborative um, design studio. Um, and so architecture was kind of naturally the the route to go and um, my parents, I actually originally kind of wanted to go to art college, but my parents sort of led me away from that a little bit. I think they were worried that, I suppose, your chances of success were maybe more limited. Um, so they sort of suggested, well, would you consider architecture? Um, so that that's kind of, that's where I ended up, really. Yeah, and I mean, like, it's so funny when you say that, because obviously...
1: I think when people think about um, architecture, obviously design is is massive and, and art, you have to have all of those elements in order to be able to do it. But I mean, we're building something that you noticed before you decided to go into architecture. Like I feel like it's one of those things that as as we get older, you know, you you travel and you visit different cities and you notice the beautiful architecture that is in different countries and stuff like that were you very much aware of that because honestly I wasn't when I was growing up in in Dublin you know
0: no I wasn't and even my own house that I lived in like it was a real typical kind of 70s house um you know it kind of dark corridors and then very large sort of double height lounge spaces but even those spaces themselves like they had single glazing they were you know, facing the wrong direction, uh, so they weren't kind of getting natural light. And um, so I did really notice that. The, you know, the house I grew up in had issues, and I I kind of thought, okay, you know, I, I would have suggested, I suppose, ideas to my parents even growing up um, about, uh, you know, w- would we think about renovating? And then I, I wanted to, you know, obviously my dad got an architect involved, but I also wanted to be involved in those conversations. So it was really actually my own home that I lived in that, you know, I wanted to kind of fix problems as opposed to, let's say, seeing architecture out and about that um, was really inspiring to me. So, um, yeah, and I like even with the interior side of things like that was definitely what I kind of wanted to do more so. And in transition year, I did um, work experience with a good friend of my mom. Um, at, he was in she's an interior designer in Limerick. And she actually said to me, well, you know, if you're you could be an interior designer, but if you wanted, you could train as an architect. And I suppose then you have the option to sign off on buildings to learn about regulations. Um, It's kind of a, a very unique set of skills. And then you can always kind of offer that interior service as kind of part and parcel with with the architecture. Yeah, it's so interesting that you said there about kind of
1: training as an architect, because I do want to ask about that, about the education route that you went, because I feel like uh, architecture and being an architect is almost as terrifying to me as like if somebody says they're (laughs) going to go into medicine or orthodontic or something like this, because yeah. maybe it's the way it's portrayed in mo- in movies, but it's always yes. like, well, if you go into architecture, you're going to be training for about 10 years. And then, yeah. it's gonna, you know, like, so tell us about that, that aspect of it and actually what the studying process was.
0: Yeah. So, well, the first thing that's great about actually getting into it is that it's not in, in the college that I went to, which was DIT, it's not, um, entirely based on your leaving cert points. So you have an opportunity to do, um, a portfolio. So that is essentially presenting your, your artistic skills, um, and showing kind of an element of your personality. And that really gave someone like me, um, a huge amount of kind of, Options that I wasn't entirely depending on getting, you know, five hundred and fifty points in a leaving cert. Um, so I applied for DIT, and I did the interview and the the portfolio. And then essentially, it's it's a five year course. Um, and it, in after third year, they they recommend that you take a year out. Um, uh, because it's so long, really, they want you to kind of take a break and um, and kind of refresh your your brain and take yeah, a step step that back. Five years—that like, is long, like it, yeah, it is long. And and following on from the five years, um, you you have to work in a, in an office for two years, and then you essentially go back and do what is called the part three. So the part three is um, it's kind of more the legal side of things. So you're learning about contracts. Um, and all the regulations that go along alongside building and constructing in, in Ireland. Um, so, in uh, ultimately, it's it's eight years without a year out, and then it's nine years with your year out. So, it, it's kind of up there with the likes of um, the kind of doctors' profession. Yeah. So, it's not something you want to get into unless you really have a genuine interest in it.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, that sounds like it sounds like a huge amount of commitment from just that like dedication of, okay, I know that I'm in this for the long haul as well. Um, mm. And then I suppose in terms of architecture here in Ireland, like when you kind of got through the educational process and when you, you know, did all that time that you needed to do but behind you, um, did you want to always stay here or was, was travel something that was really important to you in terms of kind of learning about architecture in different countries?
0: It, it was, and actually throughout... Um, DIT uh the, the in the architecture course it's great because they actually bring you away every year um on a trip for a week and you go to a country and the sole purpose of your trip aside from obviously a bit of you know crack at night or whatever yeah. it's you're really there to to kind of learn about architecture in different mm-hmm. countries so it's actually an amazing opportunity because you wouldn't usually do that like when you go away with your friends in the summer you know you're kind of going to the beach you know you're you're kind of doing different things but this is really just to actually take a couple of days and and see how buildings are built elsewhere um so those trips were fantastic and they really kind of i suppose reignite your interest in architecture when you do tend to have kind of lulls in college where you kind of you're not sure if it's really for you um but when i finished actually it was definitely a, a bad time to come out of college um so it was 2012 and Obviously, the recession was like well and truly still, um, you know, in in the height. Um, so it, it was definitely not, there was no opportunities really um, for yeah. jobs. There was nothing out there. Everything at the time was job bridge, um, which was, you know, the, the kind of government scheme to. I remember. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So everything was job bridge. Um, there was no kind of paid work at the time. And a lot of my my peers um, did move to London or moved to New York. um And I suppose I I actually didn't know really if I when I finished college, I think because it was a long course. And I definitely had my ups and downs like it's it's it wasn't plain sailing. um So I did consider other paths. And I suppose with the way the recession was at the time, you know, I had to actually I had to explore other opportunities um. So I I did a bit of everything. I kind of dabbled for about a year in, I did some kind of graphic design work, um, some set design with the Fringe Festival in Dublin. Um, I even, I kind of got into designing wedding invites for friends. And I think that's actually what kind of maybe gave me that initial kind of entrepreneur um, feeling. But uh, it it was a slow process coming out of college, but I, I did stay. I stuck in Dublin and I just took a little bit of time to really um, kind of consider what I wanted to do and whether I did want to actually work in this industry, um, you know, because, it, yeah, I, I think the college experience, it, 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 it can be tough. And, you know, I, I did question um, kind of, you know, my future in it. And I, I knew I wanted to stay in kind of a creative role as such, but yeah, um, I wasn't I wasn't really sure if it was if it was exactly architecture.
1: It's so funny because like you're, I kind of, completely understand where you're coming from because I graduated in 2008, 2009 so I'm doing journalism it was the Mm. exact same situation like bang smack in the middle of the recession and all of my friends were going abroad and my parents were just like well I mean like it was a nice thought but good luck to you ever making any money and so and I did like I really I toyed with the idea of going abroad and stuff but I just wanted I just wanted to stay here like I I never kind of ruled it out but I just thought if I stay and work while it's really tough then maybe Mm. that
0: will kind of to me afterwards you know that was definitely yeah and and actually the the timing also I suppose with a lot of my friends who I finished um and graduated architecture with they they didn't kind of come back to it um that because there weren't any jobs you know they did explore other avenues and actually they've made really successful careers in completely different industries um so so yeah I mean from my class alone I'd say out of the 50 of us you know there could be half you know 20 to 25 uh, people who actually don't practice architecture anymore um so and again i mean looking with the current situation you know unfortunately there are there is a risk that this this next recession is coming and in when you have a job in the construction industry unfortunately it's one of the first things to go um so it's yeah so yeah you need the thick skin and you need you need to have other kind of backup plans Absolutely. And I mean, um, in terms of your own
1: experience So the Courtney McDonald studio was created mm. in, in 2016. So can you talk me through kind of the career avenues that you went down post-college and um, getting through that tough time and then ultimately deciding to open your own studio? Because I mean, I, I feel like in an industry like architecture, it's almost, it's not expected, but it's it's definitely not something like, oh, you've got your own studio. Like, I mean, I feel like architects always have their own studio, but I'd say it's a massive, I mean, it's your own business, right? So it's a yeah. massive undertaking, no matter what it's going out on your own and doing it yourself. So can you kind of tell me about that process leading up to the opening of, of the studio?
0: Yeah. So, um, a- about a year after I graduated, I, um, I actually got a job eventually in, um, in a firm in Dublin. and um, and at the time the firm had downsized, obviously, um, through the last recession let's say and they were starting to hire again so i sort of came on board and i suppose i was the third in the door and as a junior architect i was given you know fairly um kind of a lot of responsibility i was very much thrown in the deep end um in terms of design work and had opportunities that usually you wouldn't have when you're when you're coming in straight out of college and um, so i worked there for four years and the work we did i mean it was a lot of it was fairly high profile it was all commercial work really um and while I really enjoyed it and I there was a lot of you know I learned so much I learned everything about dealing with all sorts of clients and builders and um and projects I kind of quickly realized that it was sort of how I suppose the residential side of architecture was more interesting to me um and I really loved that kind of more personal connection that you have with the with the homeowner and Mm -hmm. I sort of realized, look, I, I've done four years here and I just wanted a change. Um, I wanted to kind of focus on my passion of designing homes and I decided to, to make the move. And I suppose alongside that, my brother wanted to renovate his house in Limerick and he, um, he approached me and asked, you know, said, look, would you, would you consider it? And I think at the time I was, quite nervous about doing something that would really have my own name on it. And I was even going to kind of pass it over to the firm I worked for at the time. And they actually supported me. They said, no, you do this. You know, you do this job on the side, see how you get on with it. Mm. And that was kind of the starting point really um, to 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 my Courtney McDonald studio. Wow. So, I mean, uh, the
1: ethos as well for the studio is the involvement in the complete design process. So I kind of want to yeah. ask you a little bit about about that because for me, just say, you know, it's it's a scary and daunting idea to, to go to somebody and be like, I want to do a full renovation or I want to build a house or, or something. I wouldn't even know where to begin. Like, I mean, so can you talk us through kind of when clients come to you first and, and how how involved you are in, in the entire process from beginning to the end of a project?
0: Yeah, so I suppose when clients are looking to renovate or build a house, um, we essentially come in very early on in the process and really kind of understand their brief and look at how they live and what they they kind of want to get from their home. Um, and then if it's let's say a renovation project, you know, we we obviously survey their existing home, and then that's sort of the, the we put pen to paper, and that's kind of our starting point. And um, then we we kind of start with a concept, really. So um, it could be something as simple as, you know, opening up the back of the house or reorientating a room to get, you know, maximise um, natural light. And um, and sometimes what can happen actually with a lot of clients is they they see an, an image on Pinterest and they kind of point to it and say, that's what I want. But. You know that could cost two hundred thousand or three hundred thousand. Whereas when when we actually step into their home and see what they currently have, we can actually save them money as well. Um, so there might be something we can do with just the existing uh, footprint of the house that that will kind of you know we're we're there to challenge them. We're there yeah. to think outside the box. Um, and then when it moves along, you know we basically project manage the whole job. So we're sort of involved in organising a builder, uh, an engineer. A quantity surveyor, landscaper, interior designer, and we we essentially project manage um, the whole the whole team design team from that initial stage up until you know the building is finished. Wow, I mean. That sounds like
1: a huge amount of work. I'm I'm going by uh, you know, you know, some of the shows that are on TV. Grand Designs is one of my favorite TV shows. I watch mm. it religiously. One of the things I love to do is to go back and watch really old episodes of it. But I always feel like the architect comes in at the end and kind of talks through the design process and stuff, but you yeah. don't you don't see them throughout the entire episode. But I mean, that sounds like a massive amount of work. Is it a stressful job or do you get enjoyment out? Of it every single
0: day, or can it get a little bit much at times? It can, and there's definitely, you know, there's sides of it that you feel almost like you're a lawyer. You know, you're you're dealing yeah. with very legal um, con- you know, you, you're administering contracts between builders and homeowners. Um, so there's there's kind of that legality side of it when you know we deal with planning regulations and building mm-hmm. regulations. So there's paperwork that I would, you know, we would all rather spend a lot less time doing. Um, but in terms of the day to day, you know, b- getting to be creative, I suppose, and and um, and getting paid for that, you know, it's it's really something that, you know, it's 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 you it's you're pay- getting paid to do what you love essentially every day, and um, so and every project is so different. I mean, even what we have sort of at the moment in terms of our own studio projects, there is such a mix um mm-hmm. of work um from very kind of small, uh, urban you know, proposals to, you know, very kind of one-off, you know, one-off houses in the landscape. Um, so there's a real mix. So every project is different. Every client is different. Um, so yeah, no, I suppose no two working days are the same.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of the dream. I think if you have that creative mind, I think that it, you know, I know that I wouldn't be able to work the same day every single day. Like it would drive me absolutely Mm -hmm. up the wall. So, um, I want to ask as well a little bit, you know, you were saying that obviously the construction sector at the moment is, it is going to be feeling the pain from, from what's happening at the moment, yeah. but across the board in general, as an industry, like I said, you are the first architect that we've ever had on this show. So, I mean, what is the industry like? Are, are there, is there a, a big Industry of architects in Ireland, like how and, and also gender. Is there a lot of women who are who are in the industry, or is it very male dominated? I know in media, anyway, speaking from my point of view, it's definitely changing, but it has always been for like the 12, 13 years I've been in it, it was always highly dominated by men. So it's something that I'm always interested in when I'm speaking to people from different industries.
0: It is it, like it's still very, you know, there there is a gender imbalance, um, mm-hmm. definitely, and and actually, that was something I kind of noticed when I was studying architecture. Um, you know, even with our tutors, uh, you could have your crit on a Friday. So your crit is essentially your your kind of weekly presentation of your, your design project. And, you know, there could be six examiners and five of them are men. Um, so that sort of the lack of sort of role models, I think, in in when you're studying it in terms of female role models also means that a lot of. Female ar- architects don't necessarily continue in the profession. Yeah. Um, now, there's other reasons for that, and you know that was something that I found very intimidating when I first started working at a college. Was you know chairing a meeting in a in a you know a builder's site, um, you know site cabin on on a site, and and it, it could be you and maybe six or seven men, you know, between engineers, builders, quantity surveyors, and you know, that took, uh, it took a while to kind of get used to that. And, and, and it was, it was, it was something that, you know, I, I wanted to get better at and, um, but there is, there's, there's not, there's, there's lots of female architects. And I think that's even changing when it comes to tutors in college. I have a few friends who, who teach in UCD and in DIT, and they are now starting their own practices as well, or have established their own practices, but there is definitely still, you know, it's very much a male-dominated um, industry still, and I, I really hope it does change. Yeah. Um. Well, hopefully, you know,
1: talking and, and kind of getting this episode out there for our audience, which is predominantly female, you know, the younger generations might be listening, and and if they're not put off by nine years of studying,
0: they might be like, absolutely, absolutely I'm going there. Um, well, Courtney, that's it. And yeah. You know, as well with um with i think the interest in architecture has really you know I- improved in the last you know 5 or 10 years i mean even Dermot Bannon's show and um, room to improve on a sunday yeah. like he's he has promoted architecture in a huge way to the country um which which actually just encourages people to you know think about it and you know there's even pinterest like i lie in, in bed and i scroll through pinterest and like many people do and I think there's more of an interest now in interiors and in architecture. So I really do hope that more young females think about it as a career um, and go for it because it's. I, I think that there's so many people out there that do have a real interest in in homes and renovating. Absolutely, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you to take off your architect
1: hat for one second and pop on your interiors hat because <laughs> I have an interior problem that I want help with. Okay. And this is- This is mostly about um, and we're obviously we're going to give everybody who's listening the opportunity to go and visit your your website. It's beautiful. And Courtney McDonald studio, and take a look at the work that, that you do. It's amazing. But in terms of interiors, right, I am going to be having a blue couch. Blue yes. is my, my favorite color. I've got a, a dark blue kitchen. It's going to be a kind of a lighter blue couch. And I'm in a bit of a war of words at the moment with my partner about whether having yellow accents or a kind of um, blush pink accent. And this mm. isn't really about what we should do. But in terms of, I keep saying to him, just why don't you let me deal with the design so what advice would you give to two people who are just battling about the design of a room and okay. how to kind of
0: solve it yeah so actually i love dark blue and my own kitchen itself actually is a kind of a navy blue oh, um, love that. now i've gone with more of kind of natural colors so i have green i have some kind of pamprint i have a lovely um kind of house of hackney pamprint green um chair and um, so and then really it's sort of accented with brass and and wood so that's more of a neutral palette now if you wanted to add another color to, to blue yeah I, I think yellow is beautiful oh, like I mean it, it's and the darker the, the blue then the more navy it is the more the yellow will really pop like I think it's it, it would be a lovely combo yeah. um and then you know orange is also stunning with blue um and, and green yeah anything that's kind of more of a like a natural, I saw something you'd see out, out in, the, you know, in the sky or in, in, you know, more kind of nature associated colors. You might say, do you ever have that problem, or do
1: you ever encounter people who um are coming to you as clients and maybe they're uh, partners or or maybe they're in a relationship and uh, they just have complete different senses of what their design aesthetic is, and then you have to kind of try and navigate that.
0: Yeah. And and I think a lot of that maybe comes from, you know, their neighbors done something that they regret. And so they're kind of getting, you know, information from, you know, kind of Chinese whispers, maybe coming down the street and, you know, there's, or there, you know, I would design a lot of, let's say, flat roof type um, houses and, and kind of contemporary extensions. And, I think people maybe, you know, their neighbor might have had a leak. So, you know, they kind of have worries, which is understandable, of course. And it's, it's about kind of reassuring them um, and showing them sort of other examples of, of um, how that's worked really well. Um when it comes to interiors, yeah, it's the same. And I think sometimes, you know, the client wants to kind of do that themselves and they hire you really to take care of the architecture and mm. um, the, the the space itself. And you, you don't really have that control about, you know, what kind of piece of furniture they put in. And, and a lot of the time they're bringing furniture from, you know, their previous home and, you know, it might necessarily fit as well. Um, so yeah, it, it's, you, you want to give your opinion, but at the end of the day, you know, they're living there. It's, they want to have their personality and their taste, um, yeah. in the house. So um, sometimes you think you just have to give them a canvas for that, and if, if you have, you know, beautiful windows and light and yeah. uh, lovely ceiling height, then I think actually sometimes anything, you know, any piece of furniture can be nice if the if the space around it is is pleasing. Absolutely, compromise. I think as well as, as yes. uh, is is an
1: important thing to remember. I always. Um, I always like to think of—I don't know whether it was Audrey Hepburn or Marilyn Monroe, or I could be completely wrong—but one of them always said, or maybe it was um, Chanel. Either way, you look in the mirror when you're about to leave the house, and then you take yeah. one item off, accessory off, yeah, one Thanks. accessory off. Was it was it Chanel? Yeah, I think it was Coco Chanel. Yeah, Coco so Chanel. So yeah, you turn to
0: the mirror and take then just take one accessory off.
1: Take yeah. one. Yeah. Do you have kind of like the equivalent of that when it comes to a design? tip I'm just trying to get as
0: much tips as I can out of you now
1: Courtney before I let
0: you go do you know what I actually think you need to go one way or the other so you kind of in, in architecture they kind of talk about trends and um, minimalism and then maximalism so maximalism is uh, a room that essentially everything is print or or texture or color you know there's there's almost so much going on that it works yeah and then the other you know the other side of it is kind of what you probably think a lot of architects do where it's you know there's just white walls and you know one piece of furniture and one kind of light fitting and one table and it's all completely stripped back and paired back so if you I think look you can do a bit of both but yeah I think if you want to to have a lot of accessories then you almost just need to go mad and just go, go all out okay
1: I love that I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going to play this to my boyfriend then and he's going to have to listen to me. Um, yeah. Courtney, can you, before I let you go, just let people know how they can go and see your work and how they can get in touch with you. If they want to talk to you anymore, um, about working with you.
0: Yeah. So my, um, website is courtneymcdonald.com, and Um, um, my Instagram is Courtney underscore studio, I think. <laughs> and, um, you can find all the information there. And actually for this month, I'm doing some, uh, some online stuff as well, obviously trying to um, adapt the business. So, um, we're going to do some online design consultations as well for anyone who's maybe thinking about renovating or um, updating their home. Of course, amazing. I will be on to you very, very soon. <laughs>
1: Believe me, it'll be just me and the blue couch, and I might be on my own on it at this point. Um, Courtney McConnell, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a pleasure chatting to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Lee. Thank you. Thank you so much to Courtney for coming on the show. Finally, as I mentioned earlier... Cardi B Architects and Priests is what this episode is about so I, I caught up with Father Derek Ryan earlier on in the week to talk about the role of religion during a pandemic and you know how people are, are taking comfort from it and also just how people are actually tuning in <laughs> to, to mass at the moment because obviously nobody can go outside there are some incredible services if you are a person of faith and if you aren't and you just kind of want to see what's going on with that as well uh, I'm not but I might tune in on, on Easter just because I know that a lot of my family will be so there's something nostalgic about it for me but anyway it was a really interesting talk the full interview is up on the her Instagram page if you want to go over and check it out but I will leave you with Father Derek Ryan this week so thank you so much to all of my guests and thank you for listening and we will chat to you next week
3: Yeah so uh, Derek Ryan's my name I'm the curate here in St Joseph's Parish in Dundalk and um, so the, the parish is located just across from the county council building. So it'll be very, it's a very famous location here in uh, Dundalk. And there's a monastery uh, attached to the church. So in the monastery, uh, there are 11, 11 priests and brothers. We all live together in the house. And then uh, attached directly to the monastery is uh, the parish church. And um, It's St. Joseph's Church. And for anyone living in Dundalk, anyone from the northeast of the country will know the church because it's the national uh, shrine Uh, to St. Gerard Magella, and St. Gerard is the patron saint of expectant mothers, so we get a lot of pregnant women uh, into the church who come to light candles and say prayers before they head off to hospital to have their babies. So uh, that's what makes the the church special uh, in the northeast of the country, and uh, it's very well known.
1: Nice, and did you always know that you wanted to be a priest when you were younger?
3: Oh yeah, I think so. I mean, you grow up with that kind of feeling. Uh, is the only way to describe it and um, I suppose throughout my uh, teenage years certainly was probably the only thing on my mind you know. I didn't join until I was 23 so I gave myself plenty of uh, time to kind of make up my mind about it.
1: So um, Derek we're in the midst of a global pandemic obviously so I suppose I wanted to ask you a little bit about what role you think religion can play in these times of confusion and fear for a lot of people around the world.
3: Well, I think what we're uh, seeing here, uh, by the way, I can only talk about our own parish and what's happening here locally. and um, what we're finding, I think is that, that people people tend to turn to what is familiar and to what is regular in times of uh, stress and especially uh, during this time of trauma, uh, not only for the the country but for our world. And we do we are finding um, that more and more people are, are turning uh, to church, to prayer. Yeah, I think it's becoming uh, increasingly important for people to, to stay connected to church in, in some way. And I think people are becoming uh, very creative in how they, they stay connected and stay in touch with their, with their own parish. And if their own parish doesn't have the facility to have uh, a webcam or maybe doesn't have a Facebook account or whatever, that you can log into other parishes around the country and uh, stay connected to, to church in that way. I think, um, I think one of the great services that's been done at the moment is the service provided by RTE at half past 10 every morning. <coughs> Excuse me. I know of people um, who have received the present of uh, a large smart TV, which allows them to not only tune into web broadcasts, but to tune into RTE Mass uh, uh, at 10.30 uh, every morning. It's a great facility. Um, The Catholic Communications Office in Manute states that approximately a quarter of a million people uh, in Ireland every day go to Mass every single day. And so there's the daily attendees of Mass, and then you have the the people to go to Mass every Sunday you have people to come to go to mass maybe twice, three times a year. you might have people to go to mass once on every few years. And wherever whatever background uh, people are coming from, the facility and the services are, are there for people to tune in uh, through RTE, through the web. And we have a webcam in, in our church here. Uh, it's, on, it's on 24 hours a day. so if you tune in at nighttime you'll get a, a dark church. If you tune in during the day, uh, we have three Masses a day at half eight, half nine in the morning, and then again at 7.30 in the evening. So uh, it's a facility that we're noticing uh, that is becoming more and more popular. Uh, we have a, a priest here in the house, uh, Father Noel. Noel is in his uh, mid-40s, and he's operating our Facebook account. And people can, can contact him and contact us directly through you know sending a message. Um, you know people like to let us know how things are in the house. Uh, they like maybe to send in prayer requests or maybe if there's an anniversary mass uh, coming up Neve and as you might know like anniversary masses are a big deal for for Catholics in Ireland and uh, to have someone uh, remembered at Mass and mentioned in a mass. And so we we would receive those requests in through the, the Facebook account, through email. And uh, then it's very important then that we honour those uh, requests, and during the celebration of mass throughout the week, and then at weekends as well, uh, that we um, we we pray f- we pray for those people. It's a great way for us to reach out to the community in time of lockdown, and it's also a great way for the community to to reach back in back into us as well, and to communicate with us. So, we do have that sense through the webcam, through uh, Facebook uh, and other facilities, uh, and of course, you can't beat the the old phone call as well yeah, the the, the the ability to be able to communicate uh, in this lockdown. Now, I know Leo Varadkar doesn't like to use the word lockdown, but that's the, the, the feeling that this period of time has, that we are in a kind of a lockdown uh, uh, period. And, you know, I'm glad to say that uh, through modern technology, those who want to reach out to us can, uh, and the facilities are certainly there.